Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is, but it's Paul Gleiser sitting in again for Jimmy, second time this week, but this time coming to you from the great state of Texas and proud Fox Across America affiliate, KTBB FM AM, Tyler Longview, Texas. Jimmy returns on Monday. No, for real. He'll really be back in the studio on Monday, and more than that, he'll join us for a segment later this hour as well. we got a big show coming up in addition to all of that. At the bottom of Hour 2, we're going to be joined by Congressman Greg Murphy, who represents the North Carolina 3rd District. And we have a jam-packed hour in Hour 3. Tudor Dixon, former candidate for governor from Michigan, is going to join us. And then later in the hour... Ted Cruz, my senator from the home, my home state of Texas, he'll join us. Throughout all of that, however, it is you and me. I remind you of the very specific instructions that Jimmy gave me concerning filling in on this show. He said, Yo, drive it like you stole it, baby. Indeed, so we're going to take the corners on two wheels, you and I. Grab your phone right now and punch in. 888-788-9910, 888-788-9910, because I want you here in this first hour to weigh in on the proposition that I'm about to put on the table. As things stand now, the presumptive 2024 nominees for president are President Joe Biden for the Democrats and former President Donald Trump for the Republicans. But both have very significant legal and other problems swirling around them. Let's start with Trump. We pretty much spent the week talking about it. As you and I discussed on Monday when I was here, and nearly every talk show in the country has been discussing since, Donald Trump now stands as a defendant against a 38-count federal indictment that alleges, among other things, that Trump shared national defense information with people who lacked the proper security clearance. Uh, that's a pretty big deal, and if true, it reduces the effectiveness, the effectiveness, um, the effectiveness of a "he did it too" defense, in which Trump could rightfully say that Joe Biden was also in unauthorized or irregular possession of classified documents. They have Trump on tape discussing national security secrets with people who shouldn't have been hearing them. That's going to be used against Trump in the courtroom for certain. It's absolutely also going to be used against him in campaign ads, like three-quarters of a billion dollars worth of campaign ads. It's naive to believe that the indictment and the Dems' exploitation of that indictment won't have a suppressive effect on the independent and moderate voters that Trump or any Republican has to have in order to win the presidency. So that's a pretty big deal. But... That's potentially offset by Joe Biden's legal problems. In addition to the fact that a special counsel has been appointed to investigate Biden's classified documents hoard, the hoard distributed all up and down the East Coast from Pennsylvania to Chinatown in Washington, D.C., to the garage at Joe Biden's Delaware home where he keeps his Corvette, Biden faces the very real possibility of being credibly accused of taking bribes on a massive scale. Republicans in the House of Representatives, led by Congressman James Comer, the Kentucky Republican who chairs the House Oversight Committee, are zeroing in on information provided by a credible FBI whistleblower that strongly indicates that Joe Biden personally took up to $10 million in bribes from Ukraine in order to influence U.S. policy toward that nation. To quote the man himself, that's a big effing deal. 
So let's fast forward into next year and let's preview Biden and Trump running against one another. Each is going to be trying to kneecap the other with allegations of criminal wrongdoing. The Biden campaign and Biden-aligned political action committees are going to run a couple of zillion dollars worth of TV commercials banging Trump over the head with a federal indictment that's pending against him. The Trump campaign and Trump-aligned PACs are going to be doing the reciprocal with the material developed by James Comer's congressional investigation into the allegations against Joe Biden. What you will not hear, will not see, will not get out of any of that is any substantive debate on the issues that Americans actually care about. Not that we don't care about our, our top leaders taking bribes. Not that we don't care about keeping classified national security secrets secret. Not that we don't care about that. But it's not the stuff we care about every single day. What we care about every single day are, are things that are much closer to home and have a much more daily impact on our lives. There will be no discussion of those items. There will be no real discussion of the southern border. The southern border is a big deal here in the state of Texas. I was in Washington earlier this week. I was with Democrat Henry Cuellar, who represents Laredo, Texas. He is at complete odds, even though he's a Democrat, with the Biden administration over the southern border, because here in Texas we are experiencing in real time what happens when you don't control your border with another nation we are invaded by by illegal migrants that we're having to feed and clothe and school and medicate and take care of and it's straining resources and we have alvin bragg in new york complaining about the eight thousand or so that however many thousand had been sent to, to new york it is nothing compared to what states like Arizona and Texas are dealing with. There'll be no discussion of that if all we talk about in the in the coming presidential election is each candidate's legal problems. There won't be any meaningful discourse on inflation or energy policy or gas prices or crime or China or the shrinking middle class or how to get real wages growing again. None of that will get any daylight. The news cycle will be dominated by coverage of Trump's legal proceedings, there will be little coverage of the issues. So, let's just say, for the sake of our discussion today, that we could change that. Let's say that the Dems decide that Biden is too old, too frail, too legally vulnerable, and too weak in the polls. Miranda Devine certainly thinks that's possibly the case. She writes for the New York Post. He, she says that, that Biden is not a shoe-in. Cut seven. Anybody who thinks that Joe Biden is a shoe-in for the next election is nuts because he's a very different candidate now to what he was back in 2020. Uh, you know, I think something like 61% of voters no longer think that Joe Biden is honest Joe. So uh, the, for the voters, it's fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And so I don't think that that is a, um, a package deal of Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Okay, let's say that the Dems are afraid that Biden will go out on the campaign trail and talk about something completely ridiculous, like he did uh, this week about building a railroad across the, in the Indian Ocean. Yeah, that really happened. Cut 15. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in... In, in, in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. 
Yeah, when he goes off script, he gets into a lot of trouble. And that's a, that's a big effing deal for the Democrats. Let's say that they conclude that renominating Joe Biden is just too big a risk. Let's say that they pivot to the much younger but still very suitable, suitably liberal Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. Let's also say, and, and, and Trump supporters don't read anything into this. This is for pure discussion purposes. Let's also say that the GOP decides that Trump is too legally vulnerable and po- poses too great a risk as the nominee for the Republicans. Let's say, again, just for discussion, that the GOP nominates Florida Governor Ron DeSantis instead. Well, let's say that happens. The editorial page of today's Wall Street Journal has taken that proposition and put it in print. I say it was actually not today's, it was yesterday's Wall Street Journal. In a piece headlined, Newsom versus DeSantis, Bring It On, the journal says, this is a quote, why not a public face-off between these two combative, young, upwardly mobile governors? This could be the substantive argument the country needs pitting Florida's red state model against California's blue state approach, end quote. Well, I tell you what, I personally would love that. The Biden versus Trump debates of 2020 were hardly reminiscent of the Lincoln-Douglas debates, but such a debate about the issues, about the difference in the two visions, the California model versus the Florida, I would add Texas model, a debate about that is long overdue. Which is the better vision for America, the California model or the Florida red state model? Which, which will bring about greater prosperity? Which will lift the middle class? Which will take people in, uh, lift people out of poverty? Which will best empower minorities to rise above the poverty that has gripped them? Which will, which will better heal the racial divide? Which will provide more widespread prosperity and happiness, the California blue state model or the Florida red state model? That's a debate worth having. And if you had had two candidates other than Biden and Trump, each beating on each other over their legal woes, and you had two guys who had no legal baggage, had no legal baggage, but did have records as governors, one in the in the red state of Florida, one in the blue state of California, going at each other, the media would have no choice but to cover that. How would that be? I know where I stand on the question. A lot of voters, though, haven't seen the two visions clearly pitted against each other. You know, a lot of voters underappreciate both the hellhole that California has become, while they current concurrently underappreciate the success of Florida and uh, Texas as well, I'm obliged to add. This is not, let's get this straight, this is not about being for or against Donald Trump. It's about returning our politics to the key issues that affect us now and that will affect our kids, that will affect our grandkids. That debate hasn't happened in a long time and is long overdue. What would the campaign be like in 2024 if we had a debate on the issues as opposed to what we have been debating now since... Donald Trump came down that escalator eight years ago today. What do you think? Even if you're a diehard Trump supporter, can't you agree that the quality and substance of debate would be better if the two two debaters weren't bringing so much legal and political baggage to the stage? 
Can you not agree that substantive debates on the critical issues facing the country are way too long missing and way long overdue? I want to hear from you. 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. For his part, I think Governor DeSantis is up for a cage match against California's Gavin Newsom. I think he wants Newsom to take a hard run against Joe Biden. Here he is. Cut one. What I would tell him is, you know what? Stop pussyfooting around. Are you going to throw your hat in the ring and challenge uh, Joe? Are you going to get in and do it, or are you just going to sit on the sidelines and chirp? So why don't you throw your hat in the ring, and then we'll go ahead and, and talk about what, what's happening. Newsom, for his part, says he's up for a debate against DeSantis. Cut two. You would do a two-hour debate with Ron DeSantis? I'd make it three. Three-hour uh, debate with Yeah, make do it. I hear I mean, four? And, and do you do it with one-day notice with no notes. I look forward to that. Well, I would look forward to that, too. So what do you think? 888-788-9910, 888-788-9910. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on this Friday on Fox Across America. We will get to you and your calls and your thoughts on all of this after the break. 888-788-9910. More of Fox Across America is coming. The show that connects you to people in high places. It's like the most important man in the world standing here, and you got a conversation going with each other. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America on this Friday, taking your calls on the proposition on the floor of this for the first hour of this show. What if it wasn't either Trump or Biden bashing each other over the head with their competing legal woes, but instead it was two people like, for example, not necessarily, but for example, Ron DeSantis of Florida, red state, versus Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, blue state of California, debating the the differences between those two visions. What would our political discourse be like in 2024 then, and how would you feel about that instead of back and forth between between two guys who are beleaguered by a lot of um, a lot of baggage? Your thoughts? Eight 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 seven eight eight ninety nine ten. Let's lead it off. Michael Boca Raton, Florida. You are the leadoff hitter here on Fox Across America on this Friday. What do you say? 
Paul, I tell you, you bring up such great questions. I loved your discussion earlier in the week about Trump's unforced errors. That got stuck in my head, and I've been thinking about it ever since. And now you've just done it it again. (laughs) Well, well, thank you. And listen, not everybody appreciated Monday's show the way you just did. I just have to tell you, I've taken some heat over that show. I, well, they got to be realistic. At this point, I, you know, I love Trump. I voted for him twice, but we've got to think about electability. And you brought up such great points about that, just like this, in terms of talking about the issues. I hope during the primaries, the DeSantis and uh, Ravaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy. Tim they're Scott. going to talk about issues. Right. They're not really – I don't expect them to hammer Trump about the legal issues, and I don't think RSK or anybody, any of the Dems, would hammer Biden over his I, – I think there's where we're going to see – at least I hope that's where we see a great discussion of the issues. What do you think? Well, I think that's possible. I think already the other candidates, Pence – and um, and um, Tim Scott, and I'm trying to think of who else I've heard spe- uh, speak specifically on Trump's indictment, but they're being very, very careful, very circumspect about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and, yeah. And they are, they're walking a knife edge. But let's blow past all of that. You know, w- when was the last time we had had substantive debate about the two competing visions that are tugging each other, tugging at each other in this country? The, the the blue wow. state vision or the red state vision, and which one best brings about prosperity and happiness for the most people in the country? That's a worthy yeah. debate, and we we haven't had it. You're absolutely right. I, I mean, I think we kind of got it uh, with the Obama uh, campaign. I'm trying to think. Uh, right? What uh, what was he? Yes, we can. Was that his? That was his that deal. Was? Yes, yeah, and then he, then he had the Spanish version, "Si se puede," which he yeah. he had he had had one for the for his Hispanic audience. I mean, I think that's very Reagan esque, right? Yeah, talking yeah. about the shining light on the hill. I mean, yeah, uh, that's probably it. Then when when Hillary came in the picture, that whole thing changed. I mean, everything changed. Well, it got it got it, very it, ugly. But even even during the uh, during the Obama campaign um, in uh, in uh, two thousand eight, it was all a whole lot of it was bogged down in recriminations over the Iraq War. There's still you still didn't get into. Which is the better of the two, the progressive leftist vision of top-down government control, big government, big massive government programs, command and control of the economy, or the red state, the red vision, the Republican vision, free market economies, bottom-up bottom up, bottom up uh, management of the yeah. economy, the uh, maximum freedom, minimum regulation – which of the two visions is is better? I mean, you can just look at it objectively. If you just get all the politics out of it, you you can look at states like California, look at states like Texas, and how well we're doing, versus how poorly Illinois, California, New York, and and the blue states are doing. Listen, I appreciate your call, um, Michael, and I'm glad you're there in in very very prosperous DeSantis governed Florida. And I appreciate the kind words about the show. More of the show's coming up. Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. It'll be worth you sticking around. Don't go away.
It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. We opened up the hour with the proposition, what if it weren't, for whatever reason, what if it weren't Joe Biden versus Donald Trump beating each other up during the 2024 campaign about their respective legal problems, both of which they seem to have in abundance? What if instead it were a substantive debate on the issues between two guys who don't have legal problems but have very clear differing visions of how the country should run? Governor Gavin Newsom of California, the bluest of blue states, or versus Ron DeSantis of Florida, one of the reddest of the red states. What if it were a debate on those kinds of issues? It might give rise to conversations and statements like this from Ron DeSantis. Cut three. He's got huge problems in his state. I mean, like, huge problems in his state. We all know that. I mean, you see it in San Francisco, you see it in L.A., you see it in the people fleeing. California, from its inception, gained population every single year until he became governor. I mean, California was probably the height of opportunity for middle-class Americans for many, many decades in this country. No one would leave there. You know, you would go. People were drawn to there, and yet... He's the first governor that's overseen a a massive exodus out of California. That is a clear statement on the difference in the two visions that we need to have nationally in the country. What do you think? 888-788-9910. Kevin in Hampton Roads, Virginia, has thoughts on the subject. Kevin, how are you? What's up? Hey, good afternoon, Paul. Say, I think, I want to look into my crystal ball. Let's say that Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis are the, are the party's respective nominees. I'm going to play devil's advocate and play the part of Gavin Newsom, and where am I going to attack Ron DeSantis? Well, first of all, in, say in the ads or in a debate, first of all, I think Ron DeSantis' success with COVID in Florida is actually not only greatly exaggerated, it's false. He did one of the worst jobs, according to the CDC, and this is age-adjusted. 32 states had a better per capita death rate than Florida. 32 states. He was in the bottom 36. New York had 83 deaths per 100,000. Florida, 111. And the CDC says that's age-adjusted. And even California did better. Yet somehow we have this perception that he did so well. Well, maybe the businesses did, but it sounds like he didn't protect the people. Well, okay. You have. Fig- I'm not going to debate you on the facts and figures because I don't have them here. I don't know. I can tell okay. you that that Florida and Texas pretty much mirrored each other in their response to uh, COVID. The bias in Florida and the bias in Texas was to the greatest extent possible keep the economy open because of the fact that even though you have COVID deaths and, and COVID hospitalizations, you act as if There's no consequence to closing down the economy, and there is. There's massive consequence to it. There was a massive health consequence, massive economic consequence, massive lifetime consequence for kids in school. It's it's as if shutting down the economy didn't come at a massive cost, and it did. And DeSantis was sensitive to that, and his, his, his approach was like that recommended by Dr. Scott Atlas, Protect the vulnerable to the extent that you can and let everybody else go about their lives. Because early, early in the pandemic, we had a clear and very, very defined vision of who was most at risk for COVID death 
and who wasn't, and a whole lot of people weren't. And the goal of DeSantis's policy was the for those people who weren't let life go on, because well, and he he ended up with fifty nine percent higher death rate in twenty twenty one than the state of New York. But could I bring up another issue? Uh, yeah, sure. That, that, so so did you see the photo that well here's here's how the, here's how I would envision a campaign ad might go if it's Gavin Newsom and DeSantis it would be something like Ron DeSantis you cleared, claimed to care about children in your state yet while you were a high school teacher there's a picture of you drinking beer with your high school students with their arm female high school students with their arms wrapped around you now if you care so much about children why as the legal adult would you be drinking beer with minors and females there's a picture of that out there i assume you've seen it i've i've heard about it haven't seen it but kevin see you're wanting to go right back into where where the democrats want to really keep the debate on stuff like this as opposed to which is the better economic and social socioeconomic model for the for the united states of america the command and control top-down Democratic model or the free market economy bottom-up Republican model. That is a worthy debate. And I can tell you, if it's so bad in Florida, if it's really such the, the charnel house that you say it is, why are people flocking to the state and depopulating blue states like California and New York to do so? you got to answer that. Same thing's happening in Texas. Well, I would think partly the weather, but uh, now, now let's talk they're about sure as hell not coming. They're sure as hell not coming to Texas for the weather. It's going to be near I 100 agree. degrees I today. Okay? Well, let's talk about the economics of DeSantis. Now, Trump got a business economics degree from the Wharton School of Business, the best business school in the world. DeSantis was a history major and once, according to the ads, while he was in Congress, proposed a 23% national sales tax instead of income tax, which would eventually, first of all, it's completely speculative and untested. And I would, you know, Donald Trump, 500 businesses, 36,000 employees, 50 years in business versus a guy whose only jobs have been to work for the government. I think that, you know, he's weak on economics as well. I think the success in his state could arguably be to the, attributed to Trump's economic policies. Which, when, in which case, then give, the, then give Governor DeSantis for credit for not standing in the way of them. Well, you know, I mean, that's I, I pretty much cleared my slate. I, my daughter's got graduation in a couple of hours from high school, but I appreciate you letting me air my, my point of view. I appreciate you airing your point of view, and congratulations to your daughter. Co- high school or college? Well, she's high school. She's my youngest of six children. I've got one at Dartmouth. i got one that graduated Vanderbilt, and she's heading up to Washington and Lee, but this is her high school graduation. I have day. one that graduated Vanderbilt as well. Nashville is a wonderful city, and it happens to be kind of following the red state model. Hey, listen, I appreciate your call, Kevin. That opens the line, 888-788-9910. Travis, Pensacola, Florida. We're back to Florida. What say you? Hey, Paul, thanks for uh, taking my call. With the scenario that you uh uh, that you laid out, uh, I think would be a great thing for uh, the American people to see the two of them debate about uh, Democrat philosophy versus Republican. I don't think it's something that would be in this cycle. I think we have to uh, end the cycle, take our chances, let Trump finish things out. Biden and Trump, after four years, are going to be gone, or we're going to be moving into a different realm in politics. I think uh, I think when we get past Trump and Biden and get to that next 
uh, generation, I think it's going to be a great thing to be able to debate uh, the differences between Republicans and Democrats. Well, then let me just ask you the question, Travis. Why wait? Well, you can't – you don't have a debate, but I, I, I just don't think that you can let the government off the hook about – uh, disenfranchising half the country with the shenanigans they've done this past years. You cannot let the government dictate that. And so let me, so let me to, let me jump in. So you let, so that means you would want you would want Trump to be elected to avenge that. Is that what you're saying? Not avenge it, but I I think it's kind of like this. I think before COVID happened, he got the country in the right place. For some of the independents, he turns off because of his personality. He's kind of like a a necessity. For example, George Patton, people didn't like him, but he won the war, did a lot of things for the United States and the world, right? Second is the character of Maverick, right? The establishment didn't like him. Nobody liked him. He wasn't promoted, but he was a hell of a pilot. So he rubbed people the wrong way. But when it came down to getting the job done, he got the job done. Trump is like that. The independents, I think we ought to take our chances with Trump again. I think every Republican should get behind him. The, okay, let me, let me, and, let me stop you chances. there. Let, let me stop you there. Every Republican gets behind him. Okay, let's say that happens. Yes. You still haven't won the general election. Nor have you gotten close, actually. You're not going to get Trump elected or any Republican elected if you don't bring a substantial portion of the independent and the moderate voters, and particularly in those key states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, which are already a tough putt for Republicans. You know, look, those people, there's nothing different about uh, Biden. He didn't answer questions. He no, wasn't he ready for the job. No. He wasn't held to the fire. No. People, listen, people voted him in because that's what they wanted. They wanted open borders. He told you that. He told you, he told the people he was going to get rid of oil. Everything that he's doing, he made it very clear in the debates that what he was going to do. That's what people wanted. You can't, that's, and people well, will, still want, will still want that. I think that's what, that's I think, what America wants. I think there was an awful lot also of people wanting some calm after the, after the Trump storm. And let me give you credit for something you just said, uh, Travis. Um, and I, it, it provides me a shameless way to promote my weekly uh, column at youtellmetexas.com. Some time ago, uh, I wrote a column that said about Trump, if he hadn't come along, we would have had to invent him. Because politics in Washington had turned into into the grand uniparty, where there was not a great deal of difference, and when you looked at the at the net result between Republicans and Democrats, there was quite a bit of difference in the campaign rhetoric, but not a whole lot of difference in the in the uh, results that came out the other end, and. Trump was a great disruptor of that, and he came along at a time when you really needed that to be disrupted and give the man credit for that. The question that we have to address now is given everything that has happened, both good and bad for Donald Trump and everything that has happened since Joe Biden was elected and what we have really come to learn about the man, which, which is very disturbing, would the country not be better if we moved on to two guys that didn't have all that baggage? And that's what I'm here to talk about today. Listen, Travis, I've got up against a break, but I really appreciate your call, and thanks for taking the time. 888 888- 
888-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Speaking of Jimmy Fallon, he's coming up next. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon today. Jimmy will return full-time on Monday, but he's with us right now. Hey, Jimmy, yo, where you been, man? Where you been? Uh, listen, I again, the idea that I got booked on this show uh, a second time, Gleiser, means a lot to me. So let's start there. Uh, I've been everywhere, okay? You remember that Travelocity commercial, The Gnome? Yes. The Johnny Cash royalty? I've been everywhere, yes. man. That's yeah. how I've been. I've been to Mesa, Arizona, uh, which, by the way, very nice. Uh, I was, uh, you know, 1,071 degrees, which is always nice. You know, also, un- it was cool that day. <laughs> un- <laughs> it was winter. Put yeah. on a jacket. It's 113 kids. Uh, that was nice. And then we were, in, uh, L- we were in L.A. I'm filming this moon landing documentary. And I have to tell you, Gleiser, uh, William Shatner's in this documentary. He really busted my chops. He was fantastic. At, at the age of 92, no, he's a machine. He, he's he's really cool. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. And of course, he asked about you. He's like, "What's going on with Gleiser in Texas? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with the, all them yeah. spare ribs and the hog hunting and everything like that?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen, I was I was at Country Tavern not long ago, and they actually did ask about you. Oh my goodness gracious! They're like, "Did did, did Fox put him on a diet yet?" Uh, Wetch McCall. We love the tavern, and we're going to be back down there soon. What we're doing tonight? I have to tell the audience because I've been a deadbeat radio dad. I was only on one day this week. These are good. I'm like, this is like being president. You only have to show your face in public once a week. This is a good gig. Uh, I'm hosting Fox News Saturday night this weekend. It's a 10 o'clock show tomorrow night. But all of the production gets done today. Uh, You know, the rehearsals and everything because it's a brand new show. And uh, we have Dog the Bounty Hunter on, uh, Joey Diaz, and some dirtbag named Lincoln Fela. Well, that'll be cool. The yes. Link Man. The Link Man is in the house. Uh, Tudor Dixon's coming in, so hopefully Lincoln doesn't hit on her. You know, he's in ninth grade. Those <laughs> those kids are a little fired up. I don't want my son to get me me too'd. Like, I do a decent job of holding it together. Probably the last thing I should be bringing into corporate America is a 14-year-old kid. Could, uh, you, could you have walked around like, now you're a perfect gentleman, but as a 14-year-old kid, could you have walked around a cable news studio? I could not have walked around Fox News as a 14-year-old kid. <laughs> I could not, no. I could, they would have thrown me out of there so fast. Yeah, I couldn't have got in. Forget I walking could, yeah, around. No, there, there, there's absolutely no way. I was just there Monday. It is it is a oh, target-rich environment, Hold as we say. <laughs> Nothing but beautiful women walking the halls. Let's get serious for a second, mm-hmm. if, if, if you have that in you. Let's go. I set up the hour on what if it weren't Trump and Biden be beating each other over the head of yeah, I know you are. Oh, no. What am I? Yeah, I was going to say, how many how many texts have you gotten calling yourself a globalist rhino since you yeah, opened well, the oh, show? Oh, and I've had a fair number. But what if, yeah, what if it weren't those two saying, you know, just bashing each other over their respective legal problems? And what if it were, say, just for the sake of discussion, it was DeSantis versus uh, Newsom of California, and we actually debated the difference between the California blue state uh, vision and the and the uh, Florida r- red state vision. 
What would that be like, and how would that not be good for the country? Well, for Republicans, if you just wanted to start there, it's a best-case scenario for Republicans because they're winning the idea battle, meaning the battle of substance is a, one, is a battle we easily win. Where the Democrats succeed, and this is where a Trump-Biden matchup is a liability for conservatives and the country as a whole, is they can make the election a referendum on sensationalism, on character. They managed to do it in the midterms. Trump wasn't even on the ballot. But the prospect of him potentially running was enough for the Democrats to stave off the red wave by just being like, oh, these are Trump bad guys. So, yes, in a perfect world, if you were just rooting for Republicans to win and stop the bum rush of this, you know, woke grievance machine that's just trampling everything in the country. uh, Yeah, you want a substantive battle. So that would be. A best case scenario in terms of substance, where this becomes a challenging conversation, especially in talk radio, is so much of the audience loves Trump and we understand why they love Trump. We also understand uh, that they are right in believing Trump is being maligned in a way no other president ever has. Like we get all of that. The trouble that we that I keep coming back to, this is where I upset my audience from time to time, is that I'm just trying to give you like the most unvarnished take I can. Because I don't believe there's enough people out there doing that. You know, I totally agree, and I've been trying to do the same thing in your absence. You, you and I agree on this. Uh-huh. Well, We're of the same mind. I totally agree with you. Uh-huh. And you know, and I'm, I'm going to say the same thing you said a lot of times. I don't care if Trump wins. I don't care if Biden wins. I don't care who wins as long as the country wins. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what you got to be rooting for. I say this, you know, it's funny. I say this a lot on stage because, you know, I think people get into the habit of even thinking like, oh, Fox News, you're a Republican network. And I try to explain to them it's actually not true. Our party is America. That's our party here at Fox. And that's also why when you have a liberal on Fox News, the reason the audience hates them so much is we're actually letting them take liberal viewpoints. Whereas if you go over to CNN, the Republican is, you know, not a, is a Republican in name, in essence, but a Republican on CNN is like a chicken that works on the board at Popeye's. You know, <laughs> he's not exactly operating with the interest of his fellow chickens in mind. You understand? And that's the difference. So, yes, what's good for the country would be better for all of us. So that's what you kind of got to root for. Absolutely. And that's that, that, if we get that, we will have won. I, I wish we could just get down to talking about how are we going to bring about prosperity and well, peace well, and happiness for the most people in the country. Well, I wish we could do that. Well, not after that opening monologue. I'm about to call in in the next hour and heckle you. Are you kidding me, Gliza, you rhino? All right, I'm off to do TV. All right, it's Jimmy Fallon. He'll be back Monday. It's me right now the rest of the two hours here on Fox Across America, 888-788-9910. Love to hear from you. Don't go away. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. Hour two of Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon and taking your calls at 888-788-9910. The first hour we talked about just a, a what-if game. What if we we were not subjected in 2024 in the presidential run to a debate between two guys that have enough fodder to throw each, at each other to to try to take each other out on their legal problems that we never got to the debates. We never got to the debate that matters. We never got to talking about which vision is better for the country. What if, what if it were two people, two candidates, other than Joe Biden, who's up to his neck in legal problems, potentially, that this 
This whole issue about did he did he take ten million dollars in return for favorable policy decisions toward Ukraine? That's a big deal, and it's looking like he really did. And we have Donald Trump on the other side that has a very specific thirty-eight count indictment against him, some of which is, at least on the surface, pretty substantive. That will those two things will dominate a campaign between Trump and. Um, and Biden in 2024. What if it were something different? Would you want something different than that, where we talked about the red state vision versus the blue state vision, or as I often say, the elites versus the folks? You know, we, the folks, and I count myself among the folks, I'm sure you do too, we, you and I, so busy earning a living, keeping a roof over our heads, seeing to our kids, and doing our best to set aside for some kind of a reasonable retirement, that it's easy to overlook the fact that our ruling elites have an entirely different view of our lives than what you and I might have. For most of us, the priority uh, is to preserve a reasonable, <clears throat> pardon me, middle-class lifestyle, while our children can get to continue the American tradition of expanding upon the success and the prosperity that we leave to them. We want to live in the nicest house that our finances will allow. We want to drive the nicest car we can afford. We want to take nice vacations. <clears throat> we want to have enough extra to enjoy our hobbies and our avocations and the things that give us pleasure. Such are the aspirations that have driven Americans for generations. Our elite ruling class, our coastal elites, have an entirely different view. And it's mostly driven by their fixation on climate change. All in the name of climate change, our, our coastal gated community living betters want us to dramatically scale back our middle class lifestyle. They want us to be content to live in smaller homes. They don't think the planet can afford for us to live in spacious homes on lots with swimming pools and lawns that have to be watered and mowed. Liberal elites don't want us driving back and forth to work, each in our own personal vehicles. They, in their in their cloistered environs, they invert, envision us in a more urban setting. They see us walking or taking bicycle or using public transit for transportation, not our own personal vehicles. They're not giving up theirs, but they don't want us to have ours. They expect that we'll have fewer children if we insist on having children at all. Children, after all, expand the population, and that's bad for the environment, according to them. Our elites expect us to reduce our usage of heating and air conditioning. We have to sacrifice our personal comfort that we that that humans strive for 50,000 year, 50, years of, of human evolution to achieve comfort and, and protection from the elements, from the heat and the rain and the cold and the snow and the wind. They want us to sacrifice that in the name of saving the planet. And they want us to, related to that, they want us to pay higher utility bills. And then when we pay those higher utility bills, they want us to pay higher taxes on those higher utilities. And if we insist on owning a personal vehicle, they don't want us to, but if we insist on owning a personal vehicle, they want it to be an electric vehicle. They want us to drive electric cars even though they cost more to buy. They don't offer the range and mobility, in other words, freedom, 
of gasoline-powered vehicles, and they, in fact, don't necessarily reflect our needs and wants. No longer are we allowed to be to choose the vehicle that best suits what we need and best suits our ability to pay. And again, truth be told, they'd simply rather we just give up on personal vehicles altogether and ride the bus. And all of this to say that in order that the ruling class gets to feel better about themselves and to feel better about the way that they live in their gated communities with their 10 and 20,000 square foot homes and they're riding around on private jets and they're being driven, being chauffeur driven in, in an Escalade with the air conditioning running. In order for them to feel better about that, they need to fix the planet. And in order to fix the planet, we have to dramatically scale back our standard of living. The standard of living that Americans at one time were actually encouraged to aspire to. We have to now aspire to less in order that we mitigate the climate emergency that the ruling class itself invented. Yet pushing that on us allows wealthy liberals, many of whom have done next to nothing to earn the money that affords them the lives that they enjoy, it allows them to feel good about themselves as they continue to live on their waterfront estates. I'm talking to you, Michelle and Barack, on your place on, on Martha's Vineyard. It allows them to fly on their private jets. Al Gore, John Kerry, off to go to climate summits, flying on a private jet, just about all the rest of the wealthy liberals on private jets. And they, and and we want they want to continue to um, uh, enjoy the comforts that their wealth and their connections confer, and that's just about everybody named Biden, and just about every rich liberal in New York, Martha's Vineyard, San Francisco, and Hollywood. So let's just say it again: there is no bigger hypocrite than a rich liberal, and that's they are driving the narrative, and theirs is the vision that they want to foist upon the rest of us versus the upwardly mobile middle-class vision that we have striven for in this country for so long. So could we please get to the place where we talk about that instead of playing gotcha, instead of, instead of constantly doing, I know you are, but what am I in our politics? Could we please get to that? What do you think? Would you be willing to sacrifice, if you are a big, big Trump supporter, would you be willing to say, okay, I'm going to let that go if it will get us a substantive debate on the future of the country? Understand, Donald Trump, if he gets, a re if he gets elected, can only serve for four more years, which is not that long. And it's a much longer game that we're playing. It would be much better for the country if we could get some consensus on which direction we should go. And as Jimmy just said in the prior segment, you know, it really benefits Republicans if we debate on the issues because the Democrats can't win on the issues. If the Democrats go, go trying to defend their vision, they have to defend feces-covered streets in San Francisco. They have to defend massive homeless camps in Los Angeles. They have to defend declining populations in California, New York, and Illinois. They have to defend the fact that people that have the means to leave those states are doing so, and they're going to places like where I'm sitting right now in Texas, and they're going to Florida. If we get into a debate about the issues, the Democrats are at a disadvantage. So would you be willing to sacrifice your fervent support for Donald Trump, if that is you, if it would get us to that place so that we could win for the long term. 
Love to hear from you on that. 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. You know, the, the whole thing about the whole competing vision between conservatism and liberalism, the whole, just the general divide boils down to who best to make decisions about our lives, us or a small cadre of so-called experts and um, and uber-educated elites from the East Coast. Who best to order our lives? An example is the whole subject of how we dealt with COVID. There were two competing visions on how to deal with COVID. The one that mostly won out was the top-down version, the top-down vision of how to deal with COVID, which is to say, grab control of the entire economy and dictate down to the level of of Thanksgiving dinner what people can do with their lives. If you remember, Gavin Newsom put out orders in uh, in California in in November of 2020 that said you could not have more than 10 people at your house for Thanksgiving dinner and you had to have Thanksgiving dinner outside. You couldn't have dinner inside. Down to that level of control. Um Health and Human Services Secretary Becerra, we're talking about remandating masks for two-year-old kids. I want to play you a cut. Rep- Representative Kevin Kiley, Press Secretary Becerra, on the mask mandate for children. It's about a one-minute cut. Just, just listen to this exchange about putting masks on little kids. Cut 32. Uh, Mr. Secretary, did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? I'm, do what now? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Making sure people were masked when it was appropriate was essential to make sure that we were able to get out of this pandemic. Sure, but that wasn't my question. Could you answer the question that I asked? Which is? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? And who did the forcing? Well, your department, or the Head Start, which is under your department, had a mask mandate until late last year for two-year-olds and above, even outdoors. Uh, So can you point to any public health benefit of that policy? Right. We we never forced anyone to do anything because we don't have the jurisdiction or authority to do that. What we did was provide guidance on what would be the policy. Mr. Secretary, did Head Start have a mask mandate? We, We provide a mask mandate, a requirement for jurisdictions that wish to receive money provide particular services. So Head Start did have a mask mandate for kids, yes? We, we had a mask mandate for uh, jurisdiction, I'm excuse me, for agencies that wish to get federal dollars. So that's a yes. So services. can you point to any benefit, it's not a yes to any public question. health? You see him dancing around trying to avoid the subject, but the, the goal was to control people's lives. And no, you can't point to any benefit, and that's why he didn't answer it, because there wasn't any benefit. But that is an example. It is, it is one example of the competing visions for America that we really need to hash out and come to some sort of consensus on, because right now we're just at each other's throats. And it's, it, it's tearing the country apart. I would love to see the debate move from the personal attacks that have really hit a crescendo since Trump came down the escalator eight years ago today and moved to debate things like this. But what do you think? 888-788-9910. Who can better order our lives? The command and control Democrats or the free market Republicans? And that really is what we're, that really is at the core of what's the, what's competing in terms of who's going to prevail in this country, and we need to hash it out. We need a debate on which direction we're going. What do you think? 888-788-9910? 
It's Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. More of the show coming up. Stay with us. It's the number one show with humans and animals. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Fox Across America. Paul Lines, you're sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on this Friday. Jimmy returns on Monday, but right now it's you and me on the phones together, 888-788-9910. Barry in Los Angeles, California. You're up on Fox Across America. Yeah, I'm just curious as to what, what the point of this exercise is today. It's not like it's not like DeSantis will, you know, DeSantis will, if he debates what's important to Americans, it's not like he's going to get enough Republicans to back him up. Democrats are always are in lockstep. If Democrats win, they need they need only one person in majority to get done what they get done. Republicans, not the same. So it's just a useless exercise. So what you know. So wait a minute. Hold mean, Conservatives you, need right now. Hey, Trump. Trump did in 2016. Trump did what you what you're talking about right now. He wanted to close the borders. He wanted no more endless wars. He wanted tax cuts. He wanted to get rid of Obamacare. A lot. Of, he got pushed back on almost every one of those things. A lot of that stuff he got done. So again, the bottom line is, what difference does it make if 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 DeSantis is debating is debating. Uh, um, Newsom about all these topics when whatever DeSantis says he wants, 75% of it, he doesn't have the Repu- enough Republicans backing him to get what he wants done, much less he's going to face 100% opposition from Democrats. Here's the point. You asked the question, what is the point? The point is things have changed dramatically since Trump ran in 2016. <clears throat> Trump now has so much. I, I hate to use the word baggage. There's, su- there's such a cloud around Trump, much of which is grotesquely unfair, but it doesn't change the fact that it's there. There is so much going on with Trump, and there's so much going on with Biden, that in the 2024 election cycle, that's my fear is that's what it will be all about. Trump accusing Biden, Biden accusing Trump. No discussion of which way do we go in order to bring about the most successful, prosperous nation we can create. That's what I'm talking about here. Yeah, and the pro- the, prob- the problem is is we're not going to if DeSantis becomes president, it's not like what he wants to get done is going to get done. That is the point. You're living in a fantasy world. The, the Republicans don't have a bad, half of – again, what needs to be done first you, – you said it earlier. You wrote an article about the Uniparty. It needs to be get rid of. The Uniparty is still there and still as strong as it was in 2016. I would, I would, argue, I would argue that the Uniparty is not what it was in 2016, and I would argue you can, yeah. you can, you can say – you've you got to say that there are some awakened Republicans – I, you're, you you are you are start you are starting to see you are starting to see it won't happen overnight but it has to start happening you are starting to see a coalesce a coalescing of the Republican Party around conservative principles that you haven't seen since Reagan and that is 
a healthy thing. And what you want, what you want, hold on, what you want is a political backdrop that encourages that rather than spends all of its time in the balkanization that happens when one side is just accusing the other side of being worse. And that's what you're going to have in 2024. I fear if Biden and, and Trump run against each other. So, so you're just ignore, you're going to ignore the guests that you're having on at the end of the show. Ted Cruz was one of the leaders of the Tea Party. The Tea Party was pretty conservative. No, no I'm, no, I'm going. Got, I'm going to get. I'm going, in, I'm going to get him to say. I'm going to get him his take on this. Would it not be better? Would it not be better if if Republicans and Democrats could actually debate on the on the governing vision of the country? We have not had that in a long time. I will give you that Donald Trump opened it up and got it started, but then through the malfeasance of the Democrats and through his own self-inflicted wounds, he has lost it, I fear, irrevocably. I think he's to the point now where anything that goes on with Donald Trump will be all about his criminal prosecution, and he won't be able to get a word in edgewise about anything else. Not him. I'm talking about the coverage he'll receive. I'm talking about the way people will see it. He is he is up against a hostile media. He is up against a, 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 a committed opposition. And those people that we need in the middle won't hear what needs to be heard. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying that's what I, what I fear will happen. Um, Barry, I appreciate your call, and I thank you for being a part of the pro- program. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Coming up after the uh, break at the bottom of the hour, Congressman Greg Murphy will join us. We'll ask him about these very things as well as some other points we want to raise here on this show on a Friday with Paul Gleiser sitting in. And knowing that Jimmy Fallon is back in the chair come Monday. More Fox Across America is coming up after the break. Stay with us. It's Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on this Friday. And if you're on hold, we're going to get to you. We've been talking uh, since the show started, the competing visions uh, between left and right, blue state and red state in America, which should prevail? And could we please get to a debate on those issues instead of lobbing grenades back and forth on the um, the various legal entanglements of the two principal candidates, Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Would it be worthwhile for us to get to get back to debating the actual differences in the two visions? On the line with us uh, from uh, from the great state of North Carolina, the third district, which includes the Outer Banks. We have Congressman Greg Murphy. Congressman, thanks for being a part of the program. Hey, Paul. Good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Doing well, thanks. Listen, just to set people up so people will know, set the audience up so people will know, you were a, yeah. you were supportive, very supportive of Donald Trump uh, th- uh, through his uh, presidency. You were you filed an amicus brief uh, in the in the lawsuit that uh, Texas filed against Pennsylvania, subsequent to the election, the one that the, um, the Supreme Court refused to hear. You have been a Trump supporter, and um, and and quite vocally so, and quite loyally so. Given all that's going going on, given all of what's now hangs around Donald Trump, what are your thoughts about his prospects in the general election as a candidate in twenty twenty four? Um, Paul, I think it makes uh, it makes a lot of people um, stop and think for a moment. Um, you know, some of the charges are, are absolute nonsense. It is 
It is without a doubt the um, weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI by the leftist Democrats, by the administration, you, you, you name it, to go after Donald Trump to do what they did to him. You know, I haven't fully read the indictment. I'm not an attorney. I'm a surgeon. But the optics are not great, honestly, on either side, that he's been unrightfully attacked, which he has been. Or did he commit some type of wrongdoing? You know, uh, we have some uh, some conservative attorneys that say there is something there. You know, I, I can't really speak to that. But then on the other hand of the you, know, you can't speak. You can't, you can't speak to the to the to the legal aspect of it. But can you speak to the politics yeah. of it? Well, I think it, it gives some pretty bad optics. But then you flop to the other side. There, there are two different streams there, Paul. Um, there are one where heck, he's been done wrong. He's done wrong, and what lo- the leftists love to hear is the twice impeached, and they love that talking point, which was an actual actual. Uh, weaponization of House proceedings by Nancy no Pelosi, question. who couldn't, no, breathe, who no couldn't question. breathe without doing it politically. Um, and I think people are weary of that constant attack, which has been has been you know absolutely ridiculous. You know the whole thing that Adam Schiff, who is an absolute liar, um, was all the Russian hoax. But then this keep going with some of these legal troubles that have nothing to do with right the present one, but the. The other stuff have get, have made some people weary. On the other hand, if he if he's facing Joe Biden in a general election, this guy, as I said on Fox a, a week or so ago, is the most corrupt president this nation has ever seen. And it finally, after being hidden by the DOJ, after being hidden by the FBI, after being hidden by the media, it's finally the uh, the details of his corruption are finally going to come to light. And I think the American people will really see the crook that he has been. When you say come to light, you and I will know it. People who watch Fox News will know it. People who listen to radio shows like this will know it. Do you think it will be sufficiently covered by the media that people generally know it? I I don't know. I can't speak to that, Paul. You know, finally, after so many of the things they've done wrong, CNN, you you know, is forced to finally acknowledge some of these issues. You know, Lester Holt, et cetera, et cetera. Some of these people that you think are actually mainstream, but really – leftists, uh, Democrats, you, they, they finally get forced to bring up some of these issues. You know, I, I really wonder if this nation will ever have free and fair media in the mainstream uh, media form. Well, there's certainly no immediate prospect of that. The business model that the that the mainstream media have has chosen seems to be working for them at the moment. I was just in New York. Sure. I was just in New York last week. I did this show on Monday from the studios in New York. And I said on the air at the time I could walk to, literally walk to the headquarters of any of the of the big three mainstream legacy networks, and all of them have become intellectually corrupt and intellectually bankrupt. They don't seek the truth; they seek furtherance of the narrative, and the narrative is is has been dominated by a leftist vision of a, of a of a of a top-down command-and-control government that tells ordinary people how best to live their lives. And I would love to get to the place where we had, and you you weren't here, but I said, what if you had uh, a guy who strongly believes that, like Gavin Newsom, um, campaigning against a guy who strongly believes the other way in the form of a Ron DeSantis, both of whom are devoid of any legal baggage so that you could actually debate the issue. 
Well, I, Paul, I would say hands down, the person who talks about freedom wins. You know, Gavin Newsom and his squad, they literally want to authoritate um, everything in your life, from your you know, gas stoves to your dishwashers to your creeks on your farms to the speed that your boat can go. You name it. Um, the government knows better. You know, I've been talking a lot about a book, book written, written 50 or, you know, 70 years ago named Atlas Shrugged. Uh, by Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand. And, absolutely, uh, um, a classic. So much is going on today. If uh, if we could distill it down into about thirty percent of the, the the written prose, I would want everybody to uh, to go through that because it's absolutely what's happening. What what is quote best for society is best, and <clears throat> it actually destroys society in, in the uh, in the in the meanwhile. That's their purpose. So um, it would be an interesting thing to see with those two individuals. Congressman Greg Murphy from North Carolina is with us here on Fox Across America. You talked about top-down command and control, something that just happened this week in the Congress on the floor. Your Democratic colleague, Jerry Nadler, and this is, this is in your wheelhouse. You are a physician. He said this with respect to controlling lives down to, a, to the most minute detail. Cut 31. It protects against transmission of the disease to the next person. And the healthcare worker certainly ought to be required to be vaccinated. And when we have a pandemic like COVID-19 pandemic that we had, two-year-olds should have been required to wear masks. It would be child abuse for parents not to do that because there was no vaccination available for two-year-olds. In his view of the world, the government can require parents to mask their two-year-old children. Absolute nonsense. He doesn't know, and I'll just put this as a very concise phrase, uh, Paul. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Two-year-olds do not need to be vaccinated for this virus. To do so, in my opinion, and I've said this from the very, very beginning, this is a decision that should be made between a patient and a doctor. One of the most sacred relationships there are, not a citizen and a government. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Pediatric vaccinations are, by and large, absolutely unnecessarily. We don't know what these vaccines do to the immune system. And those individuals were not, by and large, at risk. So he doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. And sticking masks on two-year-old kids, they need to be exposed to dirt. They need to be exposed to life. So later on, they have some uh, response to those type of things. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And um, it's sad because that narrative got pushed during the entire pandemic. And if you look at the Cochrane report, which is one of the most authoritative reports. Which I have. A, meta, a, a meta-analysis of all this thing, they showed that masks did not change the results of any of this. So um, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Mike, but uh, climbing up from from that level to thirty thousand feet, here's my problem because it, it goes beyond just healthcare policy, and and goes to the mindset of those on the left, with respect to the COVID nineteen pandemic and the enormous amount of control that government imposed upon nominally free citizens. I'm watching how those on the left just can't let it go. No, no, they can't. It's the control that they want. I don't know if they just don't feel comfortable with controlling their own lives and they need somebody else to control it for them. Um, but they don't know what the hell to do. And, you know, Paul, I was very much of a vaccine advocate and still am. 
A vaccine is meant to allow individuals who are at risk for severe disease a chance to see part of what that virus looks like so their body would amount an immune response to it so that if if the vaccine i mean if the virus is actually presented to them they already have an army built up to fight it okay but it wasn't needed for 18 and 25 year olds going into the military that was an absolute absurd thing especially in the light of therapeutics and we should, didn't need to diminish our military force because of that but then you have you know idiots well i'll try to be nice um like Nadler, who knows nothing about medicine, just pushing propaganda. And, you know, this is what I blame this on Fauci, and I put it squarely on his head. Medicine used to be one of the most tr trusted professions, and now we're not trusted at all because it became political science. Fauci pushed it. Um, Lewinsky pushed it. Collins pushed it. And it was all a bunch Deborah, of nonsense. Deborah, Deborah Burks. Don't forget Deborah Burks pushed it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, so, uh, it's maddening. You know, Deborah Burks was the primary, was the single point of contact between the federal government and the the federal COVID task force and the and the governors of the fifty states. So it was Deborah Burks effectively trying and and in a large large extent uh, succeeding in dictating state policy with respect to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Well, um, I'll just say this way, Paul. Those of us who practice medicine, I actually still practice. I see, I actually operated. I did a few cases this morning. Um, That's those amazing. of us physicians who actually take care of patients um, rather than um, people like Fauci who have been in administrative medicine for their essentially their entire life that are so far dis disjunct from practicing medicine and patients really need to talk to those who actually care for patients. Yes, I, again, I'll go back to the vaccination. But all these lockdowns never did a damn thing except hurt kids and put them literally a generation behind as far as education. These masks on kids did nothing, especially forcing autistic kids who, um, who could not put on masks, forcing them to put on masks. It was absolutely absurd. And so um, I'm sorry. We, in, in so very many ways, um, did a lot more harm than good in populations that would, by and large, have been very, very healthy during this entire uh, pandemic. But it did allow the progressive side of, a, of the American government to assert an unbelievable amount of control over what were hitherto free-acting citizens. And I, I felt I was astonished at how willingly we gave up our freedom. Congressman Greg Murphy, in the time we have left, how do you see the uh, the the next 18 months playing out and how do you see Republicans regaining control of the white house and the Senate and retaining control of the house? And will they, will Republicans actually, if it were to happen, can they make something out of it this time? Well, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll do both of those real quickly. Number one is Republicans have to be smarter. You know, I, the Democrats, I disagree with them, but they think they think the long game, They've gotten in the educational system 25 years ago, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing today. They think the long game. Sometimes our Republican, uh, we tend to think too, in two short time periods, um, and we have to base decisions based on statistics and rational thought not then falling into the Democratic, I want to do this on emotion, and I want immediate gratification. Do we succeed if we get all houses? Again, it goes back to some of individuals that want immediate, massive responses 
That's not the way it works. You have to think the long game and you have to be smart. You know, um, it's one thing to go up and preach and get a rousing applause. That's one thing. But I'd rather get three hand hand claps and understand that I'm talking about a long game where we win. We cannot let these guys, which is what they want to do, destroy the country. Very well. Congressman Greg Murphy, first of all, appreciate your service in Congress. Number two, I would admire the fact you're still practicing medicine. And number three, I thank you very much for being a part of Fox Across America. Great, Paul. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. You too. There he goes, Congressman Greg Murphy from North Carolina. Here we go. More of the show coming up after the break. Stay with us. The show that solves problems the old-fashioned way. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at 3 o'clock. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. One of the things I love when I to do when I get to fill in on the show is to listen to you and to take your calls from across the fruited plain and see what's on the minds of people across America. That's why we named the show that. Uh, close to home, listening on, on my own radio station, KTBB, Tyler Longview, Texas, we have Joey and Tyler. Joey, what say you? Hey, man, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Man, here's what we got going on. This is my belief. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but my opinion is they are running the uh, government like you would run a uh, WWE wrestling company. I believe that they're all on the same team. They all benefit <laughs> in the end. They all cash in together. They go to the back. They collect the you know the booty. They shake hands. They hug, and they go on about their lives while we're there with ticket stubs and picking up the pieces. That's how I feel that we're being treated. Um, I believe it was Frank Zappa that said that politics is the entertainment wing of government. I believe that 100%. I think they're just <laughs> – That's a great line. On the isn't that a great, isn't that a great line? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And another one I loved was in this, it's an exclusive club and you're not in it. Which That's Carlin, George Carlin. George Carlin said it's a big club, giant club, and you ain't in it. Well, you know, listen, Joey, you're not wrong. And the the thing I've said, you're around here, you probably hope you read my weekly piece, youtellmetexas.com. But I some time ago wrote the fact that we have been getting screwed over by governments of both parties for the past three decades. And... The, we we have devolved into a country that has the ruling class and the rest of us, and it is to a very distressing degree a uniparty. Everybody yeah. in government, those the, the elites in government get rich, the rest of us get poor, and that's literally true. The middle class, except for that brief shining interlude during, during Trump's uh, administration, the middle class has suffered a decline in real income now for the past 30 years. The middle class has been shrinking, and the middle class is the absolute miracle that makes the American economy work. You can't have the middle class shrinking and have a prosperous nation. You need the middle class growing, and the middle class has been getting screwed over by the very people you talk about for at least the past three decades. Well, I mean, I've just equated it. You, you and I live here, so we've seen the people who are fleeing from Illinois and, uh, you know, New York and, and California. And you got to take a look at it. And, and I remember as a kid watching people flee these countries, seeing people defecating in the street, seeing people nodding off in the street, homelessness, crime, running, you know, rampant. And I went, man, I'm so glad I do not live in these places because it was generally presented as third world countries. 
Now, whenever I see a news piece, I go, hey, this must be in a third world. Co- oh, no, it's in the United States. It's in L.A. It's in New York. It's in Chicago. Let me tell, so, you, uh, let me tell you what the, 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 el- the elites in those places would look at a place like where you and I are right now, Tyler, Texas, and they would look down their noses and say, what a backwater it must be. The town is clean. The, it is, uh, the, the, the city is extremely well run. It is debt-free. It's prosperous. It's safe. It's a great place to raise kids. It's a great place to come if you're ready to retire. And it is run by people who think like you. And I think it is a red city run by red-thinking people, and it is doing very well. Hey, listen, Joey, appreciate your call. 888-788-9910. More of Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser filling in. Stay with us. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And welcome back. Hour three of Fox Across America on this Friday. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy will return to the show next week. Be here all next week. He's back to doing what he's getting paid to do. Be be the host of this incredibly good radio show when he's here. And enough of us second stringers. Jimmy will be back on Monday. But meanwhile, it's you and me and the phones at 888-788-9910. If you're just now joining us, if you're just now getting in on the program, we have been talking most of the show today on the proposition of what if we could get past the personal attack politics, which is certainly going to be the case between an indicted Donald Trump, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> a Donald Trump who's under indictment and a Joe Biden who's under strong suspicion of having taken bribes, that's going to be personal attack city. What if we could get past that and begin debating the actual differences between the visions of, of blue staters like um, California's Gavin Newsom versus a red stater like um, Florida's Ron DeSantis? What if we were to get to talking about the things that Americans really care about, which is inflation, rising gasoline prices, declining middle-class incomes, the chaos on the southern border, um, America's declining military, the, the ascendancy of China, the things that Americans really worry about for themselves and for their kids. What if we could get to debating how best to address those rather than just lobbing I told you so's and he did it too's at each other. How would that not be better for the country? What do you think, 888-788-9910? Let's get back to that topic. In Fort Bragg, North Carolina, home of the 82nd Airborne, now Fort Liberty, by the way, no longer Fort Bragg, here's James. James, what do you say? Uh, We have a debate on the golf course. There's about eight of us. There's a lot more, but eight of us to actually play. And we were we were honestly leaning way towards Mr. Ron DeSantis because you know he has uh, Trump's policies, a few Trump's policies. Plus, he's a little more civil and even-minded. But with what's been going on, it's like the Democrats are trying to control us on who we're going to vote for and who we ain't. And seven out of the eight of us have changed our decisions, and we are going to go for President Trump just out of spot now yeah but will that be the most effective thing to do that's going to keep happening until you get an administration in that can can pull out the uh, corruption root and branch until you get somebody that can shake up the doj and truly make a difference in who runs that department 
This is going to keep happening. The DOJ has been effectively weaponized, and in the same way that it was next to impossible for Donald Trump to fire Fauci and Burks during the um, during the pandemic, it will be very difficult for Donald Trump, who will, if he gets elected, will probably still be under the cloud of that indictment to do anything meaningful at the DOJ. Well, here's the thing. If you put Ron DeSantis up there, I'm not going to say because I, I like him. I really do. But I just don't think he has the fight in him uh like president trump does i mean president trump's a fighter that's the bottom line that's the reason why we put him up there the first four years um and we wanted him back but you know stuff happens it is what it is but now it's getting to the point that we as the blue collar the middle class as you call us the middle class are so mad because they're trying to put us into the poor category and keep their own status to put us back there that we are going to we're, we're the, the majority of us are leaning back again to President Trump, regardless of this uh, all this stuff. Because if they had never started that Russia hoax and all that stuff, we would never have none of this problem right now. James, if it it is absolutely true that the um, that the ruling class in Washington D.C. wants to decide for us. Who is acceptable to run for office on the Republican side? It is absolutely true. James Comey, who was the at the time of, of, of Trump's election and ascendancy into office, was the director of the FBI, openly, outspokenly, and unapologetically said, we have to keep Donald Trump from being elected. And that's not the jo- that is not the job of the director of the FBI. Who becomes the president of the United States is entirely up to the people in the 50 separate states. It's part our constitutional republic is set up on with on the executive branch and the president actually being chosen by the states. It is not Correct. up to James Comey, a bureaucrat a career government employee to decide for us who gets to be president. So I totally get, I totally get you, um, James, on on the idea that we want Donald Trump just to stick it in their face. But is that winning the battle and losing the war? The war is a, is it going to be played out over a much longer period of time? There's a massive amount of corruption in Washington that's got to be rooted out. Well, it, it, here here's our dream, and I know it's not going to happen. If Donald Trump would calm down and take Ron DeSantis as his VP and run the next four, and then Ron DeSantis takes Ted Cruz for the next eight years after that, it would be the perfect world. We wouldn't have to worry about this. I mean, I'm a 21-year veteran, okay? And I've seen what happened in the military. That's why I got out in 2011. I'm a truck driver now, and I see more mess. I have never had the shot. Never planned on getting a shot, and I've seen exactly how this country was destroyed in four, in three and a half years. Well, it, and tell you what, and the destruction began with with a response to the COVID pandemic because correct it really be and it was certainly that there was had there had we not had the COVID pandemic, I believe that Donald Trump would have waltzed to re-election in 2020. I think that the real difference maker was the advent of the of the uh, of the pandemic. 
the pandemic did something that has never been done in American history before, and pray God it never happens again. It saw Americans willingly, for the sake of safety, surrender their freedom. It was astonishing to me how easily people gave up their civil liberties in return for the perception of some safety uh, from from a virus that most people survived. I believe that it was all a a hoax to start what they call the Great Reset, and it didn't reset like they wanted it to. Well, I will say, you know, I will say this: there are people out there that say that it was inflicted upon us, it was conspiratorial, and all of that. That that'll never be proved. I I, I I'll give them this much: if I wanted to weaken the strongest nation on the planet, that would be one way I might go about it, is to introduce introduce a pathogen into the world that would cause the government of the of the what's supposed to be the freest nation on earth start to begin vigorously curtailing people's freedoms. That's one well, we way I would weaken it. We always had a saying in the army, you can never beat us in a war, but you can always beat us from within. Well, that's absolutely true, and again, I was I was just simply blown away by how easily the government was able to get people to to uh, accept what amounted to house arrest and stay in their homes as opposed to living their lives freely, and it it frightened it frightened me to a great deal, and my my hope is my belief is that having experienced that once. It'll be hard to get Americans to agree to do it again. I hope that is the case. They let them people shame them into giving up their freedom. Well, and and, and it gave an enormous amount of power, unlegislated, unelected power to a tiny, tiny number of people who had an incredible impact on how we live our daily lives. And there's a whole generation of children who were in preschool, kindergarten, first and second grade in 2020, whose whose lives are permanently damaged by the impact that the COVID uh, pandemic and the lockdowns had on their education. There are millions of small businesses that were lost. There, we had a we had a massive increase in the suicide rate, in the rates of alcoholism and drug dependency. We had. A big spike in, in in cases of spousal abuse, all kinds of pathology flowed from the the completely unfounded idea that we could purchase safety by giving up our freedom, and it scares me to death. And I pray God it never happens again. Hey, listen, James, I appreciate your call there from Fort Bragg. Well, by the way, how good a golfer are you? Oh, I'm I'm decent. <laughs> I'm yeah. not a pro, but I, I shoot in the 80s. Oh, that's great. You shoot in the 80s, you're a pretty good golfer. Well, listen, are you, gonna, are you playing this weekend? Oh, yes, sir. We're getting ready to play a tournament tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we'll hit them straight, and I appreciate your call, James. 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for uh, Jimmy Fela here on Fox Across America. Tudor Dixon coming up next. Stay with us. Call in now. We're excited to hear from you. Who the this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Joining us in studio in New York as I sit here in my studio in Texas, Tudor Dixon. Tudor, welcome to Fox Across America. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Thank you. I'm taking over the show. I'm in well, You here. should. Are you playing with the toys there? Jimmy's got a great set of toys. <laughs> I'm impressed because he has all these buttons that you can push and make sounds. And I'm oh, like, no. and, knowing and, him, I thought he'd do that a lot more than he does. There's a lot of buttons, in the, and, you, and you can you push one of those right now. It will play a noise. It will do, it will do what Jimmy does. Listen, let me, in the time that we have, I, I want to use our time wisely here. You ran against the subject of a gushing article in Vanity Fair this week written by Jennifer <laughs> Paul Mary, uh, who was the comms director for the Clinton 2016 presidential campaign, so you know her politics. But she wrote a gushing article on your opponent, the governor of, um, of the state of Michigan. You lost that election by 10 points. So it was you know, a pretty decisive victory for Gretchen Whitmer. But I'm going to throw two things out to you in the time that we have. Number one. Gretchen Whitmer's response to COVID, she locked down the state, said you couldn't buy, you couldn't work in your garden. There's an extremely tightly controlling attitude and idea on how to deal with COVID. I view that as a proxy, COVID policy, as a proxy for total economic, social, and social policy for the entire nation. What do you say? Well, absolutely. I mean, she doesn't have an economic policy whatsoever. If you look at what she's tweeting on a daily basis, it's come to Michigan. If you're this, that, not if you're a business. <laughs> she never talks about the economy. She never talks about business. She has no policies that will help people. And that's why we're losing people. Every day we're losing people. In fact, they just released a study that said by this rate, if we continue losing people, then Michigan will have a serious economic problem, which we already do. Well, it's interesting that nobody can connect the dots, that a state like where I am right now in Texas or Florida, where Ron DeSantis is governor, I mean, two vibrantly red states are attracting people from blue states, and nobody on the blue side asks the question, why is that happening? But, see, I don't think they care. It's not about whether or not you take good care of your state or whether you do your job well. It's whether you preach the social justice message well and you move up. I mean, it's about them. It's not about us. That's the mistake people make. These politicians aren't caring about us. They're caring about them. Well, that's true. And 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 the, the levers of power are the number one goal of Democrats. It's clear by everything that they do. Well, let me float something out to you because it it's not clear to me and it may not be clear to you that Joe Biden will wind up being the nominee for 2024 there's a lot of reasons to argue why he wouldn't he just doesn't look good he um he i think his his capacities are diminishing by the day visibly so and it's just hard to imagine him if he does run and get elected being able to serve another 4 years which means you're really voting a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris. So my question to you is, assuming that Joe Biden is not the nominee, how plausible do you see a Gavin Newsom, uh, Gretchen Whitmer ticket? Oh, absolutely. I mean, she's launched a federal pact. She's come out every day and put a tweet out saying that we're going to take back America, blah, blah, blah. 
And at the same time, Gavin Newsom is doing interviews on Fox News. Gavin Newsom is releasing just a random commercial that happens to look exactly like a presidential election commercial. I mean, give me a break. People have said, why is Ron DeSantis telling him to get into the race? I'm like, maybe he's the only one that actually gets that he's in the race. I don't think that there's any question that everybody is either wondering, does Joe Biden make it to the end of the election? Or maybe there are people that know he's not going to make it because they're going to make a change. Well, and how would that come about? How do you how do you get rid of a sitting president, assuming he doesn't want to be gotten rid of? Oh, gosh, there's so many ways with Joe Biden. Let's think about it. His health could take a terrible turn and everybody could say you just have to step away. I mean, let's face it. I don't think that he's making those decisions right now anyway. Or perhaps you could say, gosh, we didn't know that his family took $10 million in bribes, including him taking five. Maybe he can't be president anymore. And we'll slip in the guy who meets central casting perfectly and has come out and said amazing. I mean, you listen to Gavin Newsom. He sounds great. You look at California, it's a dumpster fire. But nobody notices that because when he's in front of a crowd, he sounds great. He looks the part. That would be a great scenario for the Democrats to pull Joe Biden and not have to have Kamala Harris. It has to happen at the end or you'd have to put Kamala Harris in. So it can't happen now. They're waiting. There's a there's a moment. Well, and you, I don't think there's any question in my mind that Ron DeSantis, as, is, as to be fair, is true of most governors. Ron DeSantis gets up every morning and watches the president shave. I'm, I think he sees himself when he looks in the mirror. I think he sees a president staring back at him. Right. But how does how how does he prevail if he is called upon to run upon the record that he is? Uh, the the points that he's put up in California. Oh, I I think that's what we're all looking forward to. What what happens? We have a, a wide range of Republicans out there. Who wins the primary is is different than who can actually compete in the general. And what's funny to me is that everybody right now is saying Ron DeSantis is the only, or I hear people saying Ron DeSantis is the only guy that can win. And yet, coming from a purple state, I would say a lot of his policies are going to be challenging in a purple state. They're going to be challenging, in a, I mean, they're really challenging in a blue state. But even in in some of the red areas, some of his policies are too extreme for people. And so, you know, well, that's why we this plays out. Okay, we're under, under a minute. So then how does, who does get Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, those states that a Republican has to have in order to win the presidency? Who best does that? Oh, it's early on. I don't think we know. I think there are possibilities for a Tim Scott. I think that, I mean, I think that DeSantis can. It's early. He can, he can pivot on some things, perhaps. But I will say Donald Trump has a base that no one understands. It's people that don't come out for anybody else. So right now, there's a reason he's in the lead. Tudor Dixon from the great state of Michigan. Thanks for being a part of uh, Fox Across America. Have fun with the toys there in the studio, and I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Paul Glasser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Ted Cruz coming up after the bottom of the hour. Stay with us.
It's Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. We are minutes away from talking to Senator Ted Cruz from my great state of Texas. Uh, and while we're waiting for the senator to get to where he can connect us, just to recap what we've been talking about since we went on the air uh, about two and a half hours ago, and that is who best uh, to have on the ticket for both sides, the Republicans and Democrats, to advance the debate as to how the how the country should be governed and by what vision we should move forward. The leftist, the blue state, top-down command and control, um, micromanaging our lives vision that is uh, 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 emblematic of California, New York, Illinois, blue states like that, or the the red state vision, the free market, free economy, um, individual choice model that prevails in places like where I'm sitting now, the state of Texas, and also in Florida where um, Ron DeSantis is the, gov- is the governor. And so that is the, the, the question that we have been debating since we went on the air today. That whole conversation can continue if you'd like for it to be a, like to be a part of it as I engage in some self-promotion here. I write a weekly column called You Tell Me Texas, and it's called You Tell Me because I say what's on my mind and invite you to say what's on yours coming back. It's a two-way conversation. It is not a lecture. It's a dialogue. You Tell Me Texas, and you can, and you can be anywhere and tell me. You don't have to be in Texas. YouTellMeTexas.com. And this week, the, 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 the post that's up this week right now is called The Big Question That Won't Go Away. And the question that I asked was, is who best to advance debate on the issues? And then the, one of the core questions inside the article is, and this is a, just, I think, a fair question of Donald Trump. If Trump knew they were coming for him, as of course he did, they've been coming for him since he went down the, the escalator eight years ago today, He's known they were coming for him. And if he knows that he's not going to get a fair shake from the Department of Justice or the FBI or the Democrats or the media, if he knows these things, as certainly he does from very hard experience, what in the world was he doing doggedly clinging to documents the National Archives and Records Records Administration wanted back? Were, was having those documents so important that he had to doggedly cling to them rather than give them back and and in so doing provide his opposition a club over which they can now beat him senseless via an indictment. The story goes, and it is credibly reported, that at the start of this, the National Archives and Records Administration simply said, give us back these documents. Trump gave some back, didn't give them all back. And so the, the the National Archives pressed, and the, and and Trump dug in, and then the next thing you know, they, the National Archives refers it to the Department of Justice, and the Department of Justice tried to negotiate with Trump, and he still didn't give back the documents, and. You, Let's say that he has the absolute right to them anyway. He didn't want to give them back. Nonetheless, how could he not have known that that digging in that hard might very well be used against him and put him in the place that he's in now? It is, I think it is going to be extraordinarily difficult for Donald Trump to run effectively a campaign in 2024 while under, while under federal indictment. So that's the theme.
You can read more at youtellmetexas.com. Not to say that I'm anti-Trump. Not to say that I don't, don't believe in my soul that Donald Trump had a very effective presidency because he did. But the issue that I have is, given all of what he had to have known when he left office, why, why cling so doggedly to these documents? We have Senator Ted Cruz from the state of Texas on the line with us now. Senator, thanks for joining us. Paul, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Listen, I want to, first of all, before we do anything else, I want to thank you as a broadcaster and on behalf of people listening on AM radio stations across the country here to Fox Across America. I want to thank you for partnering and, and, and working with none less than Ed Markey as, as the polar <laughs> opposite of you politically in, 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 in co-authoring, co-sponsoring the AM radio for um, Every Vehicle Act, which is now working its way through both houses of Congress. Thank you for that. Well, thank you, Paul. It, it, it is important. As, as you know, in recent months, eight different automakers announced that they were going to pull AM radio off their new, new vehicles. And, and the consequences of that would be devastating for AM radio. I, I thought that was a terrible development. And so I joined up with Ed Markey, the Democrat from, from Massachusetts. He may be the single most liberal Democrat in the entire Senate, and I'm the most conservative Republican. So we, we rarely are teamed up. Uh, but we both came together and agreed that, that preserving AM radio and cars was very important. And it's important from lots of fronts. It's important uh, when you have a natural disaster. A- AM radio is the most reliable means of getting information to people who are, who are impacted by a hurricane or a tornado or a flood or some other natural disaster. Often at a time of crisis, other media of communications go down, and AM radio remains very reliable. It's also... AM radio for rural areas, for farmers and ranchers. There are a lot of parts of Texas and the country where all you can get is AM radio, and it's important, whether it's for crop reports or weather reports or sports or entertainment. And then AM radio is critical uh, for talk radio, and I think talk radio has been an oasis for free speech to enable conservatives to express their views and stand up. I think that's that was a big part of the reason why the automakers were, want to pull it down is to silence voices uh, with which they disagree. And, and I got to tell you, Paul, we filed the legislation, and within just a couple of days, one of the biggest automakers in the world, Ford Motor Ford. Company, reversed course and announced they were going to keep AM radio and all their new cars and trucks. That's a good victory, and we're going to keep pressing until we pass it and protect it in, in, in every vehicle so that consumers can choose to listen to AM radio. Listen, as chairman of the Texas Association of Broadcasters, I joined joined, uh, state broadcast associations from across the country just the past two days, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, we were um, in Washington. We were. I was working with the talking and traipsing the hallways of the House side, talking to the Texas delegation, and got a f- very favorable reception in most cases. So I'm hoping the legislation will pass. But moving on, the state yep. of the GOP, in your in your opinion, Senator, the state of the GOP, Senator Ted Cruz, with us, in light of the indictment last week of, of former President Donald Trump, what do you see the state of things? Well, I, I think the indictment last week was really tragic. I believe it was an abuse of power, uh, and, it, and it continues the pattern of weaponizing the Department of Justice and the FBI that, that has been so brazen under the Biden administration. You know, in the history of our nation, 230 years, we have never seen one administration trying to prosecute and put in jail 
their predecessor. This has never happened. This is something that banana republics do. It's something that dictatorships do. It's not something that America does. And when you look at this Trump indictment, uh, it is clear, I believe, that, that the Biden Department of Justice is applying a double standard, that they are applying rules to Donald Trump that they're not willing to apply to Joe Biden, that they're not willing to apply to Hillary Clinton, both of whom uh, had conduct very, very similar. But for this Department of Justice, they view Biden and, and, and Hillary as on the team, and they hate Donald Trump. And I think that is, is, is a terrible reason to bring an indictment. And, and I think a lot of Americans are concerned by the obvious double standard and the attempt uh, the, the, the attempt to prosecute him. If you disagree with Donald Trump, beat him at the ballot box, but but don't abuse the justice system to try to go after him. Let me play for you uh, something that you said to the uh, de- deputy director of uh, the FBI regarding what you just talked about. Cut 24. I'm just not going to comment on uh, information we received, investigations. Or you owe an matters. obligation to the American people to be candid about evidence of corruption by the president of the United States? This is uh, an area that I'm not going to get into with you, Senator. Because you're stonewalling and covering up serious allegations of evidence of corruption from the president. Senator, in my house, he did it too was never a defense, but it doesn't make the fact that he did it too go away. What do you say? Yeah. Well, I, I think that's right. And, and I think in this instance, the, the, the most re- recent uh, charges, the most recent accusations concerning Joe Biden are by any measure far more serious. In the last week, the news is broken that a whistleblower has come forward and said that a confidential informant and an informant that the FBI had relied on previously and reliably uh, gave evidence to the FBI that Joe Biden personally received a $5 million bribe from a senior official at Burisma, the Ukrainian natural gas company, when he was vice president. And that, that was an exchange for official policy decisions he made as vice president. Now, the FBI memorialized that information in a form called an FD-1023. We now know for a fact that form exists, but the FBI is resisting handing it over and making it public. We also saw just a few days ago Senator Chuck Grassley go to the Senate floor and reveal that in addition to that FD-1023, that the corrupt official uh, in Ukraine, apparently made 17 voice recordings of phone calls, 15 of them between him and Hunter Biden, and two of them between him and Joe Biden, then the vice president of the United States. And so what you just played was me questioning the deputy director of the FBI, asking, uh, is it true that there are 17 voice recordings uh, of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden talking to this corrupt Ukrainian official? The FBI refused to answer. I asked, will the FBI give those voice recordings to the Senate Judiciary Committee? The FBI refused to answer. And I got to say, to see the FBI stonewall uh, and, and, and refuse to provide accountability to, to the Senate or to the American people is deeply troubling. And, and, Paul, let me be clear. I don't know for a fact whether these allegations are true or not. At this point, they're allegations made by a confidential and previously credible informant. But you must know if they're true or not. Joe Biden, he knows for a fact. And if they're not true, 
Joe Biden should call on the FBI to hand over the 1023 and hand over the 17 voice recordings because if they're not true, demonstrate his innocence. And the fact that he's not and that he's allowing the FBI to stonewall, that is deeply concerning because if the sitting president of the United States took a $5 million bribe from a foreign national, that is conduct much, much more serious than anything alleged in these Trump indictments. Senator Ted Cruz from the great state of Texas with us here on Fox Across America. Senator, earlier this week, I also filled in on this show on Monday. And a couple of Mondays ago, I, I was at a luncheon here in Tyler, Texas, that, that where you, you spoke. But I said uh, um, earlier this week that greater than inflation, greater than the ascendancy of China, greater than the, uh, than the chaos on the southern border, greater than any problem that we face, the biggest problem that we face in the country right now is a corrupt DOJ. And I trace the corruption to two big events. Number one, Eric Holder. Um, refusing to prosecute voter intimidation in uh, in Pennsylvania following Barack Obama's election. And I also trace it to the, the ineffectualness, if that's a word, the, the ineffectiveness of Jeff Sessions, who was Donald Trump's appointee, first appointee as, um, as attorney general. What say you? Yeah, look, I, I very much agree. Um, as you know, uh, the most recent book I wrote uh, is on exactly this topic. It is called Justice Corrupted, How the Left Has Weaponized the Legal System. And it, and it traces the history of what happens. It focuses on under Barack Obama. It talks about what you just described, Eric Holder using the Department of Justice and the FBI and the IRS and, and the alphabet soup of government as weapons to go after the political opponents of the White House. It then talks about how those hardcore partisans burrowed into senior career positions at those agencies. And while Trump was president, they waged war on Donald Trump from within the agency, the deep state. And now under Joe Biden, the book Justice Corruptus, Corrupted walks through how they're now out in the open, brazenly engaging in a double standard in weaponizing of our legal system. It's, it's a profound threat. And, and with the most recent allegations, the allegations uh, about Joe Biden potentially taking a $5 million bribe, as you know, I do a podcast every week. It's three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's called Verdict with Ted Cruz. Wednesday's podcast does a deep dive into the 17 voice recordings and what we know and what that means. Today's podcast that just came out this morning does a deep dive into another area, which is when Joe Biden was asked about this, he snidely said, where's the money? And, you know, that I'll point out that was also the response of Al Capone. That's not a very persuasive refutation. But today's podcast on Verdict with Ted Cruz is devoted to answering the question, where's the money? And it walks through the evidence going through the public records of, of where this $5 million payment, if it happened, where it could be, and how Joe Biden, with the filings he's put in place, has hidden that. So I would encourage folks that want to know more, go download the podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz, any place you get your podcasts. We have, we have about a minute left, and so I want to ask you this. It's kind of a tough question. You're up, you're up for election in, in 2024. It's your year. The GOP would love to retake the Senate. 
Will we have presidential coattails given all that's going on? You need coattails for, for, the, for the party to win. How do you see that playing out? I've got about 30 seconds. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think Joe Biden's record has been a train wreck. And so I hope that we are winning the White House in 24. I hope that that the presidential contenders don't rip each other apart. I'm focused on getting reelected to the Senate in 2024. It's a big fight. The Democrats are targeting it. So I'd encourage folks go to TedCruz.org, TedCruz.org, TedCruz.org and support the campaign because Chuck Schumer's made clear I'm his number one target to try to defeat in 2024. So I need your support at tedcruz.org. Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, I appreciate you taking the time. You've given us some great insight, and uh, good luck, and thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. You too. There he goes, Senator Ted Cruz from the great state of Texas. Here we go. More of the show coming up after the break. Stay with us. The show that's not afraid to tell you the truth. Not only are you not a very nice person, you're also a slob. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela here. It's Fox Across America. Jimmy returns on Monday. He'll be in all next week. Back to things being the way they should be with Jimmy doing one of the best shows, the best show on radio. Hey, listen, for all the, all the contentiousness, for all the things that we're arguing about, for all of the, of the things that are going on that are less than pleasant, it's important to remember that we won the lotto. We wake up every morning in the greatest country in the world. We have freedom. We have opportunity. We are, we are free to pursue those things that we think best make our lives good. It couldn't possibly be a better place on earth to live than the United States. We live in the greatest country in the world. Never, ever, ever forget that. If you don't believe that, look at the millions of the people, millions of people trying to get in. Hey, thanks a lot, Josh and, um, and Mike, uh, back in the control room in New York for making this show work with me doing it here from Texas. Thank you very much for listening. As you go forward on this weekend, remember, be a Republican, be a Democrat, just don't be a... That's the rule. That's the rule we always play by here on Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela. Jimmy returns on Monday. Make it a great weekend. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.